When I mention the Lord's Prayer, there are many who know exactly what I'm talking about. The Lord's Prayer came about when the disciples of Jesus asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. I think that's pretty interesting when the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them anything that they wanted. They asked Jesus about prayer. I want you to turn over to Matthew, if you would, please. And Jesus responded by giving them and to us the Lord's Prayer. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, if you would. Verses 9 and 10. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In these two verses, and there's, that's not the complete Lord's Prayer, but just in these two verses, Jesus is teaching his disciples uh, many things. But I want, us, I want you to notice the first phrase in verse 10. Jesus says, thy kingdom come. Jesus is stating that God is king and that it is God's kingdom and God's rule that is to govern our world and our life. Thy kingdom come. And you know, we know just from looking around uh, society that from a physical standpoint, our world doesn't look like any kind of kingdom that God is ruling. A matter of fact, our world and our society is a complete mess. And humanity would be so much better off if God were ruling. But our world has rejected his leadership. And I think that we could all agree this morning that because our world and our society has rejected the leadership of God, that it's resulted in much destruction and devastation. You know, but if we're not careful as believers, this thought of the world rejecting the leadership of God will create in us a sense of superiority. See, we'll have a mindset that because we go to church, I mean, we're not like those other people out there that's rejected God. We do religious acts. We're not like those other people that aren't doing religious acts. I mean, we serve the church. And if we're not careful, we get this mindset that we're not like those other people that's rejected God's leadership in their life, rejected God as king of their life. We'll get this mindset that we're okay. I mean, because everything looks so good on the outside, and, and, and we know what to say, and, and we know what to do, and we know how to act. And so, therefore, we're not like those other people. We're not as bad as those other people who are blatantly rejecting God. But you know, what, what are, what's the world doing when they reject the leadership, the kingship, the rulership of God? What are they actually saying? What are they actually doing? Saying, I want life to be all about me. 
See, but we're really not unlike the world. Because many times we make life all about us. See, that's really what rejecting God's leadership is. When you make life all about you, you've rejected the leadership of God in your life. We read a lengthy portion of Scripture, and what we find here is Abimelech was a man who rejected the leadership of God in his life. His life was all about what he wanted. His life was all about what he desired. His life was all about his pursuits. His life was all about his priorities. His life was all about his goals. It was all about him. And because of that, his life ended in destruction. See, friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that rejection of God as the leader of your life, rejection of God as the leader of your life will always, not sometimes, not most of the time, will always end in destruction. It'll always end in destruction. There are some definite marks of a person who's rejected God as their leader. And what that means is that you've made life all about yourself. You say, well, pastor, how do I know if I'm in the process or if I am rejecting God as my leader? Uh, what, what, what would be some of the marks or some of the signs that I could, I could look at and have some concrete evidence? If you're, if you're saying this, that, that uh, if we reject the leadership of God in our life, then our life is going to end in destruction. If you're saying that, what should I be looking for in my life? I would say a person that rejects the leadership of God in their life, number one is, and you made life all about yourself, is that you have little or no time for prayer. You have little or no time for prayer. There's not much known about Abimelech, but the one thing we do know is that he was not a man of prayer. It says in verse 1, take a look here. And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren and communed with them. In verse 1, it says that he spoke to the family about his plans. He spoke to the family about becoming the leader. He spoke to the family about becoming the king. He laid out everything in front of his family he talked with them about it, but we don't ever find in the life of Abimelech where he spoke to God about his plans. We never even see an inclination that he spoke to God about his plans. He doesn't even consider what God wants for his life. He just decides that he's going to do what he's going to do. See, you know that life has become all about you when you pray infrequently or you don't pray at all. See, you know that life has become all about you when you pray infrequently or you don't pray at all. We can talk all day to our friends and our family. We can get variety of opinions from all sorts of kinds of people. But do you, take, do you stop to take time to pray? Do you stop to consult what God would want for your life? Do you stop and say, Lord, look, this is your life. This is not my life. And so 
this, this is what I, I want to give to you. I, I want you to have control of my life. Or are you just going about your day-to-day operations just like everything is going on? You're not, just, you're not consulting God. You, you know what to do. You really don't need to ask God what to do. See, it's really the height of arrogance in our life when we think that we can make the best decisions for our life without spending extended time in prayer to the Lord. It's the height of arrogance. It's the height of arrogance. When we think that you and I, we can make the best decisions. Listen, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you this. There's not one exception. Every decision that you have made that has gone south, every decision that you have made that has gone south, I can guarantee you this. It was not bathed in prayer. It was not bathed in prayer. Every decision that you and I have made that has gone south, it's, it is because it was not bathed in prayer. Because if it was bathed in prayer and we were having the leadership of God in our life, we wouldn't have made that decision. But I want you to be aware of some danger. You say, well, pastor, I'm praying today. I want you to be aware of a danger. Just because you may be praying today does not mean that you will be comp- continue to be a praying person in the future. Wow. Pastor, I, I'm good with this. I, I, spend, I spend time in prayer. Hey, hey, hey. Pride cometh before fall. Be careful. You say, well, can you back that up with Scripture? Yeah. I find that in, life, in the life of Abimelech's father, his father's name was Gideon. It happened with Gideon. You say, how did it happen with Gideon? When Gideon was desperate for God to work, he prayed. But after the great victory that God gave to Gideon and the nation of Israel... Gideon did not consult with God about the future plans. He did things that he should not have done. See, what I've, you know what I've found? Is that when you and I are desperate for God to work, we pray instinctively. Have you noticed that? That when you and I are desperate for God to work, we pray instinctively. You're not even thinking about it. You get, you, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you're doing, you're praying. You're in the shower, you're praying. You're brushing your teeth, you're praying. You're driving your car, you're praying. You're going to work, you're praying. Why? Because you're desperate for God to work. You're at the end of your rope. You're at the corner of end of rope and no hope, right? And you're just saying, God, give me something. You've got to do something. And so you're instinctively praying. It's not like you're saying, oh, well, I got to be a good Christian, I got to check this off my list. I got my prayer down. I got to check that off. So I'm a good Christian today. So I'm going to pray to God. Praying as a discipline is good, but praying desperately is better. 
Hey, I'd rather have somebody praying as a discipline than not praying at all. That's good, but we, we need to become people that are desperate in prayer. You say, well, pastor, I don't have a situation where I'm desperate in right now. <laughs> One of two things. You're thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Because you didn't get out of bed on your own. And number two, if you don't have anything desperate to pray for, just wait. You will. But when we need something from God, I find that we pray instinctively. I want you to take a look at Isaiah chapter 64, if you will, please. See, when you have little or no time for prayer, you have the beginnings of building your own kingdom. My kingdom come. My will be done. When you have little or no time for prayer, you're in the beginning of building your own kingdom. You have made life, and I have made life all about me. Isaiah chapter 64, if you will, please. In verse 7. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Is that not convicting that phrase right there? That stirreth up, thy, uh, up himself to take hold of thee. When was the last time that we got so worked up in prayer that we were going to continue to pray and to hold on until we got a hold of God? Amen. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Zephaniah 1.6 And them that are turned back from the Lord and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him. See, Abimelech knew what was right to do. He had a daddy that, that started out right, so he knew what was right to do. But he turned back from the Lord through his lack of prayer. And the first mark of you and I who, who may be rejecting God as our leader, making life all about ourselves and building our own kingdom, is that you and I have little or no time for prayer. But I see a second mark here in the life of Abimelech. You're marked by resentment. You're marked by resentment. Take a look at verse 2. Speak, I pray you, into the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it is better for you, either that all the sons of Jerubbabel, <coughs> excuse me, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am bone, I am your bone and your flesh. Now drop down to verse 5. And he went unto his father's house. This is Abimelech. And he went unto his father's house at Ophrah and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubbabel, being three score and ten persons upon one stone. Notwithstanding yet, Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. I want you to take a look back at Judges chapter 8 because we see that Abimelech was a man that was marked by resentment take a look at verse 30 
And Gideon had three score and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son whose name he called Abimelech. Abimelech was a man that was marked by resentment. You say, what is resentment? Resentment is bitter indignation at being treated unfairly. You're bitter, you're angry about being treated unfairly. See, the reason that I took you back to Judges chapter 8 is to show you the ancestry, the lineage of Abimelech. He was a son of a concubine. He was a son of a maidservant, or or one would say a slave. And we could say that he was a son of a second-class type of wife of Gideon. You say, okay, well, why was he resentful for that? Because it was not uncommon in that time for him or anyone else that was a a son or a daughter of a second-class wife, if you will, to be, be shunned and made fun of by his brothers and sisters because of who his mother was. And he was resentful. He was bitter. He was angry. See, when you reject God as your leader and have made life all about you, you are resentful against anyone who has caused you pain or anguish. You holding on to something? You know the way somebody's treated you. Instead of having a heart of forgiveness, we just say, you know what, I'm just going to bury that. I'm just not going to go there. But man, when you see them or hear their their name, you're like... When you think about that situation, you're trying to figure out how to get out of Thanksgiving dinner with that person. You're going to become vegan for that day. No meat for me, so, you know, I'm going to go eat bean sprouts somewhere. See, you focus on those who have not treated you properly, who have treated you unfair, who, have made, who might have tried to destroy your reputation, maybe who took advantage of you when you were younger, maybe who's lied about you, maybe who have, who have uh, shunned you, maybe who have uh, um, uh, uh, made fun of you, whatever the case may be. See, the person who is marked by resentment will choose not to see that God can use the way others have treated you to actually help you. Listen, I'm not saying it's okay for people to treat other people wrongly. I'm not saying it's okay for other people to speak evil about other people. I'm not saying it's okay for people to harm other people or to to do horrible things to other people. But listen, you do have a choice to either allow the bitterness and the, the, the resentment towards that person to lead you and to hold on to your life, or you have a choice to allow God to lead your life and allow it to be used for His glory and for your good. I didn't say that it's easy. 
I didn't say that there wouldn't be tears. I didn't say there might not be a struggle with God as you're trying to hold on and he's trying to pry your hand back around from off your heart. I didn't say that. I said, though, but you got to submit yourself unto the leadership of God or you're going to make life all about yourself. And guess what? If you think your resentment is only going to affect you, you've got another thing coming. You say, what are you talking about? You refuse to forgive. One person said it like this, resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Listen, every single person underneath the sound of my voice has been hurt to one degree or another. There is not a single person in here that has not been hurt. Some to the most wicked and most vilest of degrees they've been perpetrated upon. But let me tell you something. Just because that has happened in your life, number one, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And secondly, it doesn't mean that God cannot take that and use that for his glory and your good. You say, how could God do that? Because maybe he could use you to minister through that to somebody else who's going through the same thing. But instead, if we're going to hold on to the bitterness, we're going to set up our own little kingdom. We're going to live for self and say, you know what? can't believe that that's happened. I'm not going to let that happen to me again. See, you're marked by resentment. In verse 5 of Judges 9, it says that Abimelech went to his father's house. He left Shechem. Shechem was about 30 miles from here where he, he went. So he either walked or he rode a camel or rode a donkey or a horse or something, but he ended up going 30 miles. And it says that he slew 70 of his brothers. Abimelech's resentment is on full display. When you're full of resentment, you become harsh and cruel to those who've done you wrong. you've rejected God as your leader you have little time for prayer you're marked by resentment let me take a let's take a look at number three you act in ways that you normally would not you act in ways that you would normally not verse four of Judges 9. And they gave him three score and ten pieces of silver out of the house of Baal-Bereth, wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. Now take a look, if you will. Keep, keep, oh, keep reading verse 5. And he went into his father's house at Ophrah and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubbabel, being three score and ten persons upon one stone. Notwithstanding at Jotham, the youngest of Jerubbabel was left, for he hid himself And all the men of Shechem gathered together and all the house of Milo and went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. Abimelech was a man that refused to allow God to lead his life. He was setting up his own kingdom. He was ruling. He was in charge. The Bible says that Abimelech took 70 
pieces of silver. And he hired some pretty evil people to follow him around and to help him become, quote-unquote, king of Shechem. You know what these guys were? They were hitmen. He hired these guys to help him kill his brothers. How full of yourself do you have to be? You say, well, Pastor, that's, that, 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 uh, come on now, that's, that's not me. Yeah, I, I would never do anything like that. Yeah, you may not be consumed with, with murdering your family members or friend, but you can be so consumed with self that you can hate. See, not allowing God to lead, you will do anything, you, you will do many things that you would not normally do. Abimelech's really a poster boy for breaking the Ten Commandments. You can go down through this and you can see commandment after commandment after commandment that he broke. Exodus 20, 13 says, thou shalt not kill. By killing his half-brothers, he joined uh, the ranks of other men in Scripture that also killed members like Cain. Cain killed his brother. And then Absalom killed family members. Joram killed family members. In Abimelech's life, over and over, because he did not allow God to lead his life, he continued a downward spiral until final destruction took place. You say, Pastor, again, that's not, that's, that's not me. Okay. But I want you to think about how you react when you don't get your way. Or how about this? Think about how you react when others are standing in the way of what you want. How is your response when it seems like people are holding you back from your desires, from your destiny? You know, if you and I were honest, you would have to say that we act in a way that's not normal. We would say something or do something that was out of the ordinary. And this is what we do. We follow it up with, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. See, when we reject the leadership of God in our life, we act and say things that we normally would not say. When we're, when we're about setting up our own kingdom, my kingdom come, my will be done. We're going to do things and say things and, and act in ways that we normally wouldn't. I want you to look at the, note the last phrase in verse 6. It said, made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. Here's a huge scandal. Here's a huge scandal. You say, what are you talking about? First, there wasn't to be a king. They tried to make Gideon their king in Judges chapter 8, verse 23, but he refused. So the first scandal was that there's not to be a king. The Bible tells us that God was to be their king. Second part of the scandal was that these people are giving money to Abimelech so that he could hire hit men that were as guilty as Abimelech in the murder of his half-brothers. The third part of the scandal is that Abimelech goes to Shechem. 
You say, okay, what's the big deal here? He goes there to be crowned king. You may not realize this, but Shechem's a very significant place in the life of the nation of Israel. Shechem is the place where God had given Abraham the promise to make him a great nation. It was the birthplace of the nation of Israel. This is also the same place where God renewed that promise with Joshua. You know what's happening here? It's total blasphemy against God. Let me bring it into our culture to help you understand. Here you go. This would be like America, Americans reinstituting slavery at a meeting in Gettysburg. Or it would be like Americans restoring the Jim Crow laws in Montgomery. Could you imagine the rightful outrage of our country? You say, Pastor, that, that, that's, that would be, that's just horrible. That would be wicked. Could you? There would be total outrage, rightfully so. That's exactly what Abimelech did. He blasphemed in the name, in the face of God. See, when you don't allow God to lead your life and you are living for self, you will always act in ways that you normally would not. I want to ask you, Whose kingdom are you living for? I mean, we can talk about all those people out there. You know, the ungodly people. I mean, you see, Pastor, they're, they're, they're not church. You know, if this nation's ever going to turn back to God, it's not going to start out there. It's going to start in here. God, God doesn't chastise those people for, for not praying. They're living their own life. But what about us as Christians? We know that we are supposed to be spending time in prayer, asking God to do his work, asking for God's leadership. But man, I'm too busy. I got my life to do. I got work. I got this. I got a family. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. Yeah, I can't, I just can't believe our government. How about if we start saying, I just can't believe my Christian walk. I need to get serious with God. See, it's so easy for us 
to push things off. That's the problem out there. No, that's not the problem. The problem's in here. And I can show that to you. I, I, I don't have time. I got two more points I'd like to give you. And I was looking at it up there, and I'm thinking, should I keep preaching, or do I need to wrap this thing up? So I'm going to wrap it up, and I'll preach the rest of it tonight. But I can prove to you from Scripture that the problem is not out there. It's in here. And we set up our own kingdoms. And I'm not trying to beat you up this morning. I'm not trying, you know, this isn't an easy message to preach, but it's the truth. Folks, I I had somebody, we've gone more more on our Wednesday night services to prayer meetings. We spend now about 40 to 45 minutes in prayer. I had somebody come to me, a a dear person in our church. They were standing in the back a couple Wednesday nights ago and said, Man, Pastor, since you changed this, uh, our attendance has gone down. I said, I know. I'm not saying some of you have to work. I, I understand that. I'm not talking about that. And I understand there's some older folks that can't drive at night because they can't see. I I understand that. I'm not getting on you for that. But you know what? You can pray at home. (laughs) Isn't that a side commentary on us? I'm not trying to beat you. I just want you to think. If we want to really see God move in our midst, if it's really about his kingdom coming, if it's really about his will being done, in heaven, as it, uh, in earth as it is in heaven. If it's really about that, then we'll be a praying people. We'll, we'll be wanting to get a hold of the horns of the altars and we'll be saying, God, you've got to do something. We are desperate for you to do something. We're tired of playing church. We're tired of playing Christianity. We want to see you move. We want to be a Holy Spirit-filled people, a Holy Spirit-filled place. We want to see souls saved, people baptized, people disciple. We want to reach our country and our world for Christ. God, you've got to do something. We need to pray that God would do something so big that only God could get the credit for it. But see, God can't answer prayer because there's iniquity in our hearts. Why? Because we're resentful. We're we're holding on to some things. We're just like, no way, it's not going to happen to me again. I'm not going to let that happen. We're just going to set up our own little kingdom and we'll act in ways we will rule. We will act in ways that we do not normally act. And you're either going to be acting in the flesh or you're going to be acting in the spirit. But if you're trying to get a hold of God, you can't try and get a hold of God and act in the flesh at the same time. Abimelech was a man who set up his own kingdom. He had certain marks. I want you to go through your life this morning. You know, I've got to evaluate my own life. Is, is, is there anything a part of my life? Hey, can I tell you? When I first got here, I was full of resentment. I told you that before. I was full of resentment and anger. I remember saying to myself, just be flat out honest with you, I remember saying to myself, these people aren't going to do to me what they did to my dad. It ain't going to happen. I'll reach out and touch somebody. <laughs> And I had a wonderful couple 
come to me. They came to me and they said, Pastor, could we talk to you? I said, sure. They came to me with the most respect and the most love and the kindness that they could muster up. I, I, they came to me and said, Pastor, we love you and we love our church. But Pastor, we, we don't sense that you love us. We don't sense much love out of you. I had to hang my head. And I said, I'm struggling. I said, I'm struggling because I've seen people that were here and they left. When I needed them, they left. I saw people when my dad was here, when he needed them, they left. And I refused to get hurt like that again. I said, you need to pray for me. I said, I'm struggling. And he said, Pastor, we will pray for you. But you know what? I had to make a choice. I'm so glad that these folks are still with us. They loved me through it, and I'm so glad that you're here because you loved me through it. Amen. I've thought about some of those times that I preached, and I'm thinking, oh, my soul. There was blood all over the walls. <laughs> I can't believe they came back. Oh, I'm not saying I've arrived, but I can tell you this much. I love this church, and I love you people. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I'm glad I'm here. But I had to decide whose kingdom this was going to be. Was this going to be the family business? Or was this going to be God's church? You know, from Riddell to Riddell, you got, you know, I'm going to go, Riddell Baptist Church, you know. No, 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 no. No, it's either going to be God's church or he'll just decide to remove that man out of the picture. Whose kingdom are you living for? Oh, I'm, you say, Pastor, that was kind of a hard message. I know it was. I know it wasn't easy to preach, but you need to know that I love you. But listen, if we're not careful, we're all setting up our own kingdoms. We're all setting up our own kingdoms. So whose kingdom are you living for? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.